You're listening to Lego Masters Deconstructed. Welcome back to Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. Ah, another big old Sunday double bill challenge, Zoe, and our second elimination. And it's kind of about time. Not because I'm wanting people to get eliminated. <laughs> that's that's sad. But just like we've never gone so long without an elimination before. It's, it's halfway through the season, it feels like, but we're only, only two teams down. Yeah, I know. It's pretty weird that before this episode, we'd only had one elimination, but so many builds. So I agree. I don't like seeing anyone go, but I do think it was time. <laughs> yes, so we had another big episode. We had two challenges. The first challenge giving you an advantage into the second. Was it really an advantage? We'll come to that. I think we should dive straight into the first challenge because unsurprisingly, I have some very strong thoughts. So my first question about this challenge, Zoe, is do you think it made sense? No. No, not at all. <laughs> so we're building dragons on a drone and we're flying them around the course at the SCG. Fine, sure, but I I just don't understand how this was judged. I don't understand the criteria. I don't understand how, like, people were sort of seemed to be knocked out because of something that had nothing to do with Lego. Like, I just have so many questions. I feel like it was kind of two different things mashed together. It was a challenge to build something small and light that can sit on a drone and then unrelated, hey, let's fly a drone on TV that doesn't pertain to anything, doesn't affect anything, and we'll just mishmash them together in a way that doesn't really make too much sense. Is that kind of what you felt as well? Yeah, I think I think if there had been a clear reason for the obstacle course, like as in in terms of the way it came into the judging or or even if they just said up front, we're just doing this to have some fun, we're actually judging you on the aesthetic and how well you've built this dragon to balance on a drone, not how well you know how to fly a drone, which a lot of you have probably never even flown before. That would have been fine. But I think my problem is that the judging seemed really confusing. Like I I, I was literally taking notes during the episode being like, okay, so the whole judging's on a time trial. Oh, so we're not judging on the Lego. Okay. But then we now we have this extra point and these guys Henry and Joss are in the top two, but then they didn't complete the course. So, so how are we judging it? Like, I, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I absolutely. <laughs> like, what's, what's the point of it then? I'm glad you mentioned the thing about people flying a drone for the first time as well, because I don't want to say I have another conspiracy. I've been doing that a lot <laughs> recently, but I kind of have another conspiracy, which is that I fly drones for work sometimes, so I know the smallest amount about how it works. And flying a drone near people is like super illegal unless you have a very specific license. Mm -hmm. And the way that it happened on screen, I wonder if they took one member from each team away for like two days and gave them this like drone flying course and license so that A, they knew how to fly the drone to do it on TV and also be that they could legally do it because otherwise they would hella be breaking the law on national television. And while some people were better flying than others, no one seemed like it was like their very first time yeah. flying the drone. Do you reckon? Yeah, that's so true. Everyone seemed pretty comfortable with it, which I just thought, oh, maybe this is just set up in a really obvious way. Like the controls, to be honest, until 
Henry and Joss went, I thought that the drone actually automatically flew to a certain height and all they had to do was like the forwards and sideways. But then I think it was Henry and Joss theirs ended up flying quite low. So there must have been some sort of control there, but they, they must have shown them how to do it beforehand. The way the drone works is that as you fly forward, it'll like compensate and keep its height. So part right. of the idea of having Lego on top of it would be that the drone would be heavier than it expects. So as you fly forward, it's probably going to lose some height. And so it, it can become a pretty complicated thing when you're putting like unsolicited weight on a drone, which is also a side note, another thing you need a license to do just, you know, to prove my point. <laughs> and so hopefully they did have training because otherwise it's a pretty like difficult scenario to chuck people into. Like it's yeah. kind of unfair. I have to assume they did. I really want to like get a bit deeper on the judging of this. And this isn't at all to do with Brickman. It's the actual setup of the challenge that I'm now criticizing, just so that's clear. I get you. So in my opinion, and this is not saying that any team did anything that I didn't like, but in my opinion, Henry and Joss's build was far beyond everyone else's. The aesthetics of it, the way it was built, the structure, everything, I thought it was gorgeous. So I don't understand how this extra point worked. Like, was it that Brickman thought Nick and Jeans was that close to Henry and Joss's that by just completing the course, well, I guess by getting the fastest time, they then won? But that didn't have anything to do with the build, do you know what do you know what I mean? Yeah, like the the build of the Lego didn't make it fly better. That wasn't really a part of the challenge at all. Like I I guess it did in terms of they had to make sure it was balanced and not too much weight and all that sort of thing. But I, I don't know, is it even a competition if one of the top two teams didn't even finish? Like what now what are we comparing? And also on top of that, I feel like if Nick and Gina have won every single challenge in a row back to back to back for the last however many episodes just from like a tv production standpoint if you have an easy choice to give it to a different team just give it to henry and joss it's a lot more compelling than nick and gene even if it is deserved nick and gene winning every single challenge back to back to back i don't see why you didn't just give it to henry and joss anyway i agree but i think maybe they i i think it might have been that it then became a bit of a redemption story for Henry and Joss in that second challenge. Like we saw them be really defeated that they didn't win. So then when they came out on top, it was like even more exciting, I guess. I just found the whole thing so unclear. Like I couldn't understand what made Nick and Jean win. That doesn't mean I don't think they're deserving or anything like that. I just didn't understand what the judging criteria was. Like, was the fact that they finished the course weighted higher? or cause, Because I feel like at the start of the episode, they said, oh, this is all going to be on aesthetics, but it clearly wasn't. Well, I feel like when Hamish said he was going to give out an extra point, I didn't think that was serious. I thought that was fully just a joke until the end when Nick and Jean won all of a sudden. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I kind of thought that the judging was going to be like the build where they had to um, get the vehicle through the ring of fire where Brickman actually gave them a score. And and so then we could see how the extra point impacted and put people at different at different spots. But this, this was just sort of handed out. I don't know. <laughs> I can't talk <laughs> about it clearly because I'm so confused. I also feel like as a result of how confusing it was, 
we kind of lost the chance to appreciate some of the builds. Like the fact that we had yeah. a banana dragon. That's a great time. But I was too busy going, I, I'm not sure what's going on with the competition. Totally. Totally. I agree. I thought everyone did a great job overall. Like I thought the dragons looked amazing. Yeah. I just felt like it was overshadowed by the way this challenge was set up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Let's move on to the second challenge, which was Grandscapes. The teams had 10 hours to build a grand landscape and we got a lot of interesting and really different builds out of this. Yeah, I really liked this challenge. It felt like a cool open-ended challenge. I wish they did it with a bit more time so we could get some Mm -hmm. even grander grandscapes. It felt like it was still quite a short one, but I I loved the brief. I was really excited once I heard what they were doing. Let's jump straight into the teams. So we'll start with Nick and Jean who couldn't have been eliminated because they had the titanium brick. So they did the Fountain of Youth, which I thought was really beautiful. They obviously struggled a little bit with the actual composition of it, like how that middle section kind of got lost when you're looking at it from the front. But overall, I thought this was a really interesting concept and they did such a great job. I really liked it overall. And though I get Brickman's feedback with that visibility of the middle section, what I did like was how much depth it ended up having because it had yeah. the massive height of the mountains and it had the chasm in the middle. Um, so it wasn't necessarily my favorite build, but I thought it was really good. Super unsurprising though, Nick and Jean obviously have won pretty much every challenge this season. <laughs> so we, our expectations for them are already super high each time. But yeah, I thought it was cool. And I thought it was nice that we had a couple of different plays on like a, I'll say like an Indiana Jones-esque theme. Nick yeah. and Jean being one of them and Trent and Paul being sort of another direction of a similar inspiration. Yeah. Let's let's talk about theirs. So they did the Egyptian archaeological site. We had heaps of layers. I feel like theirs is quite detailed and they put a lot of effort in. I think Brickman had a couple of issues with the way some of the things were laid out, but I thought that they really pushed themselves this build. It felt like theirs was bigger than everyone else's. Did you yeah. get that sense as well? Yeah. There was like a lot of layers. Yeah, yeah, like maybe not quite as tall as someone like Nick and Jeans, but just the amount of area that it was using seemed much bigger. Maybe that was just my eyes tricking me. Um, But I did like it. I also really liked the theme. It felt like theirs suffered from, in a similar way to Branko and Max, who we'll get to later, it maybe suffered from a little bit of a lack of, like, nuance of shape where just on TV things felt a little blocky maybe, which is, I know it's Lego, but (laughs) that was kind of my read of it. But that's nitpicking, um, nitpicking a very cool build. Yeah. Let's jump to Lexi and Rach who did the Winter Wonderland. I actually really liked this. I know Brickman critiqued it a bit for sort of saying there wasn't enough story going on. Um, But, I mean, I thought there was a clear story. I thought they did a great job. Like the landscape looked gorgeous. They had lots of little minifigs doing all sort of fun different things. I, like, I actually thought they did a really good job. I think one thing that we run into with judging on this show is, like, what exactly does it mean to have story? Yeah, so true. And so, for example, with, with Trent and Paul, that kind of, like, finding an Egyptian dig site, as I said before, maybe Indiana Jones sort of vibes, we all kind of know what's going on there. There's, like, some lost treasure or something along those lines. All those tropes are things that we're really familiar with, and so we kind of get the gist pretty quickly. But then with, like, a snowscape yep. and a cabin it's more of like a vibe thing where it's like, oh, yeah. cozy and cool and, and comfortable. But I wouldn't call that a story, but I still call it like, I still understand what they're going for. And so to, to, to say you're looking for story feels like you're kind of limiting the scope of what a Lego build can do. Does, does that 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yep, I get what you're saying. I, th- I think that makes sense. So, yeah, I liked it, but I, I would agree that it didn't have much story, but I, I liked what they were going for, Either even so. Let's go to Kirsty and Daniel, who were in the top two. They did the lighthouse with the ship in distress. Something I really liked about this build was that Brickman flagged pretty early that he wasn't exactly confident with what they were doing. But Kirsty really backed herself and often people, when they hear that criticism from Brickman, retreat straight away and think, oh, well, I better just listen to everything he says, which often is is the right thing to do. But I liked that she was like, nope, I know what I'm doing. I can do it. I can picture it in my head and I'm going to risk it. I think there's a fine line between like not listening to Brickman's feedback versus taking it on board but believing in yourself as you said and I really really liked what she did not necessarily my favorite build overall but I feel like we've never seen anything like that ever in Lego Masters yeah it was so interesting like when she said I'm gonna do this color blending on the sky I was like how (laughs) it looked fantastic it really did yeah yeah so it looked great and it was just so unique and in such a really interesting way and it's Mm. the sort of build that I'd love to see in person to like fully appreciate it Yeah, totally. And I think it will hopefully have been a little bit of a confidence boost for these guys because I feel like they sort of had one or two builds in a row where they felt like maybe they didn't do the best that they could, whereas I feel like this, they they really smashed it. Let's go to Alex and Caleb who did the grandma's cottage amongst the mountains with the waterfall. Pretty much the exact same initial idea as Henry and Joss, but they kind of had the opposite problem in that they went too big and they sort of didn't end up being able to nail every element. Yeah, I really liked the direction it was going. I guess I see what Brickman was saying in the end overall where, yeah, maybe they sort of lost focus or lost sight of everything they were trying to achieve a little bit. Maybe we're hoping for another hour or two. Didn't quite work out, but I I still thought it was a cool build. Something I noticed on theirs, but it did happen across a couple of builds, was that especially the people who did mountains, they built up all at the front. But if you looked at the back of the build, it was still exposed and it had like you could see the foundation of the mountain, like colored bricks and everything. Mm, Yeah. Does it not need to be finished? Like, could, was everyone just allowed to not finish the back? Yeah, I did think that as well. And I guess for this build, it was fine. Maybe Brickman lets them know each build, whether or not he's okay with it. Because just a few builds ago, with the real-life object challenge, he gave Daniel feedback on the fact that he had, like, a visible on-off switch for his yeah. power functions, which seems reasonable. But then in this build, yeah, lots of exposed foundations, which I don't have a problem with, but I wonder if it's just challenge per challenge. Brickman's like, I'm not worried about foundations on this one go nuts sort of thing I guess I don't know yeah yeah it must be and I guess that explains why he made that point about Nick and Jean's losing that middle ground when you looked at it front on because Mm. I have to assume that the judging was like okay we're looking all of them front on rather than a full 360 that's a good point yeah yeah no that makes sense let's jump to Henry and Joss so they did the very similar secluded waterfall little fisherman's cabin they ended up doing micro scale so that they could build to the level that they wanted to and they could include all the details they wanted. thought that was a very smart choice from them and I think they totally deserve the win. I did really like it, yeah. I thought the scale choice was super smart, as you said. And big vibes of 
Harrison and Michael's build from last season, the peaceful house turned into Nightmare House build. Oh, yeah. Which was also a micro-scale build. And one of our favourites from last season as mm. well. So I did really like this build. I'm glad they got the win because they've been scraping at it for weeks now. Something that these guys do incredibly is water and mm. movement within the water. I can't imagine how hard that is to portray through Lego, but it looked so natural in theirs. Like I believed that that was like a flowing waterfall. Okay, it's time to get emotional. <laughs> Branko and Max, our darling father and son team <laughs> with their Grand Canyon that just didn't quite work out and our second eliminated team, Oh, my God, this was so emotional. We've talked a couple of times on the podcast about how fun it is to watch those guys, and I mm. think that was proved by how sad everyone was when they did get eliminated. It was so sad but also really touching to see. Yeah, like everyone was crying almost immediately. Henry and Joss in particular was oh, just broke my heart. Brick man, Hamish was tearing up. I also wonder if this is like a consequence of having the eliminations further into the season. Like I feel like everyone is probably a bit more attached to each other. They all have spent a bit more time together. And so all of the eliminations are even harder, whereas previous seasons, if people go after one or two builds, like they probably don't get that much time to really bond with them. Because two eliminations in, in the last season would have been like episode four or five yeah. or something. And this is episode, what, eight, seven? Seven. That's, yeah, it's super different. In terms of their actual build... I really didn't think it was that bad. No, but I didn't think any of them were that bad as well. So mm. I think it was definitely a tough choice for Brickman. And I'm not going to sit here and tell him that he chose wrong or anything. I'm sure he feels bad enough yeah. for that, that elimination as it was. It's just a tough time. This also reminded me of Harrison and Michael's dream build, just in terms of the aesthetic and the actual vibe of it. Like it was a very similar setup. Yeah, it's got that big desert energy. But really sad to see them go. As I said, loved having them on our screens. Loved the time that they were there for. Sad they're not there anymore. But I guess, you know, excited that we're getting deeper into the season. I know. This is what heartbreak feels like. <laughs> Next episode, we have the Halloween build, which we're all super excited for. It also looks like they each get one section and they all like click them together at the end to create like a full world. So I'm also keen to see how that works out. Yeah, we haven't had one of those for a while. I feel like they were a bit more common in past seasons. Yeah. But that could just be my warped memory. We talked briefly with Michael last episode about how Halloween's really exciting and why it's exciting. He was talking about how the the, the colour schemes and the, mm -hmm. the details of Halloween are really fun to play with. And we got to see a little bit more of that in this teaser. So super excited for the episode. And as I said, I just love the idea of just an out-of-season Halloween episode. There's no rules. <laughs> Well, they do it with Christmas, like every season, so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Before we head off, Zoe, um, I just wanted to run through some stuff with you really quickly. Okay. So every now and then we, you and I get worried about the fact that we're hosting this Lego podcast, but we don't really know all that much about Lego. Like neither of us are Lego masters ourselves or anything like that. So. Yeah. I've got a little uh, proof of concept, a little test, just to make sure that we are suited for this job of Lego <laughs> podcasters. Oh, I'm going to run some questions by you and we'll see how we go. How does that sound? 
Okay, I'm scared, but I'm excited because <laughs> I just don't know what to expect. So uh, Lego Masters themselves, or Channel 9, have posted an article a few days ago and the article's called Six Things You Didn't Know About Lego Masters Season 4. Okay. So I figured I'll just run through these things with you and if we know them, well, I've read the article, if you know them, okay. then great news, you're qualified. Okay. And if not, well, then we'll just ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. First thing, number one, did you know that the brick pit is bigger than ever before. Yes, I did know that. They added 600,000 bricks this season. Aha, uh-huh, so far so good, correct. We did talk about that, I'm pretty sure, as well in one of our first episodes. We did. <laughs> All right, okay, so far so good. Point number two, did you know the uh, the Lego models are taken apart after every build? Yes, I did. We've had previous contestants confirm that, much yes. to our devastation. <laughs> Although this one did say that they also clean the pieces when they take it apart, which honestly I didn't know, but I did assume. So That seems pretty standard. Like that's just a basic like OH&S. Exactly. <laughs> now I have issues with the third point out of six on this list okay. because it's literally something that's like a direct quote from one of the episodes. Do you remember in the first episode how Hamish said that he was throwing in $50 so that the prize was the biggest prize ever? Yes. I do remember that. That's what this next point is. It says, hey, Mitch, throw in $50 to make the prize the big. Oh. Uh, it's, that's literally in the TV show, guys. Yeah, that's like if, you, if you've if you watched the first episode, yeah. then you know that. When I got promised fun facts I didn't know, I was assuming I'd get fun facts that I didn't know. Didn't know, yeah. Not fun facts that literally everybody who watched the first episode <laughs> knows. Right? <laughs> uh, the good news is, though, they've really made up for that error with the next, the fourth fun fact. Okay. Did you know that this season... There is a titanium brick. <laughs> <laughs> what, who wrote this article? Channel 9 wrote this article. Who do they think we are? Not Lego Masters podcasters? That's crazy. <laughs> That's ridiculous. In its defence, it has given us some information. Okay. We talk a lot both on the podcast and behind the scenes about how the titanium brick doesn't really make any sense and they make up what it does every episode. Yes, correct. So... The main question is like, is it just immunity or is it also guaranteed an advantage? We don't really have an answer in the episodes. This article only mentions the immunity. It doesn't say anything about the advantage as well. Okay, that's interesting. But also this article has been kind of trash so far. (laughs) That's interesting though. I think maybe then they're just adding in those advantages whenever they think it would be interesting or like... Yeah. If they're not sure how to get everyone to pick their item or whatever it is. Yeah, keep it fresh, keep it spicy. Yeah. A uh, number five, did you know that this season we're not going to find out which builds will be eliminations? Again, <laughs> if you've watched the first episode. Was this written before it aired though? Is that why? Uh, no, no, it was written oh. uh, It was written eight days ago, which makes it... Okay, so we're a good couple episodes in then. Yeah, that would have been... By the time it's written at least three episodes in, if not more, depending on how bad my math is. I feel like this would make sense if it was written before the show aired. Yeah, but it wasn't. I've got the date right here. Very disappointing. Last fact, six out of six of... this is So we've proved pretty well so far that we're probably decently suited for this podcast. Overqualified, if anything. (laughs) (laughs) The sixth fact, did you know... (laughs) Here we go. Um, did you know that Delta Goodrum's going to be on this season? Oh, my God. She was in, like, every promo for two weeks. <laughs> she was literally in the first ever trailer. <laughs> yeah, that too. It's very funny. Okay, well, I'm glad that it's confirmed that we can keep this podcast. Thank you, Channel 9, for 
setting that test. Makes me feel a bit better. Every time I, you know, have some imposter syndrome, I'll read that article <laughs> and I'll say, no, I did know those six things. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'll have an episode out for every episode of the TV show with a bit of a recap and a summary and our thoughts. And if you have some thoughts you want to share with us, you can send them to us on our social media accounts, which are, Zoe? At legomasters underscore deconstructed on Instagram and at LMD the pod on Twitter. And uh, shout out to Greenhope42 on Twitter who sent us a tweet saying that they listened to an episode. Hope you liked it. They didn't say if they did, so, you know, that's a... I'm just going to cross my we fingers. We'll have to assume it. We'll have to assume. <laughs> exactly right. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.